chapter twenty eight of our death by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain the sacrifice a solemn silence ensued consternation and wrath were depicted on every countenance the sacred service was interrupted a defiance had been hurled as it were in the very teeth of the god nagaya and this horrible outrage to religion and law had been actually committed by the laureate of the realm it was preposterous incredible and the gaping crowds reached over each other's shoulders to stare at the offender pressing forward eager wondering startled faces which to theos looked far more spectral than real seen in the shimmering green radiance that was thrown flickering upon them from the luminous arch above the altar the priest stood still in speechless indignation lycia moved not at all nor raised her eyes only her lips parted in a very slight cold smile seized with mortal dread theos gazed helplessly at his reckless beautiful poet friend who with head erect and visage white as a waning moon haughtily confronted his sovereign and audaciously asserted his right to be heard even in the holy place of worship the king was the first to break the breathless stillness his words came harshly from his throat and the great muscles in his neck seemed to swell visibly with his hardly controlled anger peace thou art suddenly distraught saluma he said in half-smothered fierce accents how darest thou uplift thy clamorous tongue thus wantonly before nagaya and interrupt the progress of his sacred ritual check thy mad speech if ever yonder maid were thine tis certain she is thine no longer she hath offered herself a voluntary sacrifice and the gods are pleased to claim what thou perchance hast failed to value for all answer saluma flung himself desperately at the monarch's feet zephyronim he cried again i tell thee she is mine mine as truly mine as love can make her oh she is chaster than lily buds in her sweet body but in her spirit she is wedded wedded to me saluma whom thou o king hast ever delighted to honour and now must i kneel to thee in vain thou whose victories i have sung whose praises i have chanted in burning words that shall carry thy name for ever with triumph down to unborn generations wilt thou become inglorious a warrior stricken strengthless by the mummeries of priestcraft the juggleries of a perishing creed thou art the ruler of alciris thou and thou only restored to me this innocent virgin life that has scarcely yet begun to bloom speak but the word and she is saved and her timely rescue shall add lustre to the record of thy noblest deeds his matchless voice full of passionate pulsations exercised for a moment a resistless influence and magnetic charm the king's lowering brows relaxed and a gleam of pity passed like light across his countenance instinctively he extended his hand to raise saluma from his humble attitude as though even in his wrath he were conscious of the immense intellectual superiority of a great poet to ever so great a king and a thrill of involuntary compassion seemed at the same time to run sympathetically through the vast congregation theos drew a quick breath of relief and glanced at nephrata how cold and unconcerned was her demeanour did she not hear saluma's pleading in her behalf no matter she would be saved he thought and all would yet be well and truly it now appeared as if mercy and not cruelty were to be the order of the hour for just then the priest zel after having exchanged a few inaudible words with lycia advanced again to the front of the shrine and spoke in distinct tones of forced gentleness and bland forbearance hear me o king princes and people whereas it has unhappily occurred to the wonder and sorrow of many that the holy spouse of the divine nagaya is delayed in her desired departure 
by the unforeseen opposition and unedifying contumacy of saluma poet laureate of this realm and lest it may be perchance imagined by the uninitiated that the maiden is in any way unwilling to fulfil her glorious destiny the high and immaculate priestess of the shrine doth bid me here pronounce a respite a brief interval wherein if the king and the people be willing he who is named saluma shall by virtue of his high renown be permitted to address the virgin victim and ascertain her own wishes from her own lips injustice cannot dwell within this sacred temple and if on trial the maiden chooses the transitory joys of earth in preference to the everlasting joys of the palaces of the sun then in nagaya's name shall she go free inasmuch as that god loves not a reluctant bride and better no sacrifice at all than one that is grudgingly consummated he ceased and saluma sprang erect his eyes sparkling his whole demeanour that of a man unexpectedly disburdened from some crushing grief thanks be unto the benevolent destinies he exclaimed flashing a quick glance of gratitude toward lycia the statuesque lycia on whose delicately curved lips the faintly derisive smile still lingered and in return for the life of my defrauder i will give a thousand jewels rare beyond all price to deck nagaya's tabernacle and i will pour libations to the sun for twenty days and nights in token of my heart's requital for mercy well bestowed stooping he kissed the king's hand whereupon at a sign from zel one of the priests attired in scarlet unfastened the frauder's bound hands and led her as one leads a blind child straight up to where saluma and theo stood close beside the king who together with many others stared curiously upon her how fixed and feverishly brilliant were her large dark blue eyes how set were the sensitive lines of her mouth how indifferent she seemed how totally unaware of the laureate's presence the priest who brought her retired into the background and she remained where he left her quite mute and motionless oh how every nerve in theosa's body throbbed with inexpressible agony as he beheld her thus the wildest remorse possessed him it was as though he looked on the dim picture of a ruin which he himself had recklessly wrought and he could have groaned aloud in the horrible vagueness of his incomprehensible despair saluma caught the girl's hand and peered into her white still face nephrata nephrata he said in a tremulous half-whisper i am here saluma dost thou not know me she sighed a long shivering sigh and smiled what a strange wistful dying smile it was but she made no answer nephrata continued the laureate passionately pressing the little cold fingers that lay so passively in his grasp look at me i have come to save thee to take thee home again home to thy flowers thy birds thy harp thy pretty chamber with its curtained nook where thy friend zorlin waits and weeps all day for thee o ye gods how weak am i and he fiercely dashed away the drops that glistened on his black silky lashes come with me sweet one he resumed tenderly come why art thou thus silent thou whose voice hath many a time outrivalled the music of the nightingales hast thou no word for me thy lord come and theos struggling to repress his own rising tears heard his friend's accents sink into a still lower more caressing cadence thou shalt never again have cause for grief my defrauder never we will never part listen am i not he whom thou lovest the poor child's set mouth trembled her beautiful sad eyes gazed at him uncomprehendingly he whom i love is not here she said in tired soft tones i left him but he followed me and now he waits for me yonder and she turned resolutely toward the sanctuary as though compelled to do so by some powerful mesmeric attraction see you not how fair he is 
and she pointed with her disengaged hand to the formidable python through whose huge coils ran the tremors of impatient and eager breathing how tenderly his eyes behold me those eyes that i have worshipped so patiently so faithfully and yet that never lightened into love for me till now o thou more than beloved how beautiful thou art my adored one my heart's idol and a look of pale exultation lightened her features as she fixed her wistful gaze like a fascinated bird on the shadowy recess whence the serpent had emerged there there thou dost rest on a couch of fadeless roses how softly the moonlight enfolds thee with a radiance as of outspread wings i hear thy voice charming the silence thou dost call me by my name o oh, once poor name made rich by thy sweet utterance yes my beloved i am ready i come i shall die in thy embraces nay i shall not die but sleep and dream a dream of love that shall last for ever and ever no more sorrow no more tears no more heart-sick longings here she stopped in her incoherent speech and strove to release her hand from salumas her blue eyes filling with infinite anxiety and distress i pray thee good stranger she entreated with touching mildness whosoever thou art delay me not but let me go i am but a poor love sorrowful maid on whom love hath at last taken pity be gentle therefore and hinder me not on my way to saluma i have waited for happiness so long so long her young plaintive voice quavered into a half sob and again she endeavoured to break away from the laureate's hold but he overcome by the excess of his own grief and agitation seized her other hand and drew her close up to him nephrata nephrata he cried despairingly what evil hath befallen thee where is thy sight thy memory look look straight in these eyes of mine and read there my truth and tenderness i am saluma thine own saluma thy poet thy lover thy master thy slave all that thou wouldst have me be i am whither wouldst thou wander in search of me thou hast no further to go dear heart than these arms thou art safe with me my singing bird come let me lead thee hence and home she watched him while he spoke with a strange expression of distrust and uneasiness then by a violent effort she wrenched her hands from his clasp and stood aloof waving him back with an eloquent gesture of amazed reproach away she said in firm accents of sweet severity thou art a demon that dost seek to tempt my soul to ruin thou saluma and she lifted her lily-crowned head with a movement of proud rejection nay thou mayest wear his look his smile thou mayest even borrow the clear heaven-lustre of his eyes but i tell thee thou art fiend not angel and i will not follow thee into the tangled ways of sin o thou knowest not the meaning of true love thou there is treachery on thy lips and thy tongue is trained to utter honeyed falsehood methinks thou hast wantonly broken many a faithful heart and made light jest of many a betrayed virgin's sorrow and thou darest to call thyself my poet my saluma in whom there is no guile and who would die a thousand deaths rather than wound the frailest soul that trusted him depart from me thou hypocrite in poet's guise thou cruel phantom of my love back to that darkness where thou dost belong and trouble not my peace saluma recoiled from her amazed and stupefied theos clenched his hands together in a sort of physical effort to keep down the storm of emotions working within him for nephrata's words burnt into his brain like fire too well too well he understood their full intensity of meaning she loved the ideal saluma the saluma of her own pure fancies and desires not the real man as he was with all his haughty egotism vainglory and vice vice in which he took more pride than shame perhaps 
she had never known him in his actual character she like other women of her lofty and ardent type had no doubt set up the hero of her life as a god in the shrine of her own holy and enthusiastic imagination and had there endowed him with resplendent virtues which he had never once deemed it worth his while to practise oh the loving hearts of women how much men have to answer for when they voluntarily break these clear mirrors of affection wherein they all unworthy have been for a time reflected angel-wise with all the warmth and colour of an innocently adoring passion shining about them like the prismatic rays in a vase of polished crystal to nefrata salome remained as a sort of splendid divinity for whom no devotion was too vast too high or too complete better oh surely far better that she should die in her beautiful self-deception than live to see her elected idol descend to his true level and openly display all the weaknesses of his volatile flippant godless sensual yet alas most fascinating and genius gifted nature a nature which overflowing as it was with potentialities of noble deeds yet lacked sufficient intrinsic faith and force to accomplish them this thought stung theos like a sharp arrow-prick and filled him with a strange indescribable penitence and he stood in dumb misery remorsefully eyeing his friend's consternation disappointment and pained bewilderment without being able to offer him the slightest consolation saluma was indeed the very picture of dismay if he had never suffered in his life before surely he suffered now nephrata the tender the humbly adoring nephrata positively rejected him refused to recognize his actual presence and turned insanely away from him toward some dream ideal saloma whom she fancied could only be found in that unexplored country bordered by the cold river of death meanwhile the silence in the temple was intense the priests were like so many wax figures fastened in fixed positions the king leaning slightly forward in his chair had the appearance of a massively moulded image of bronze and to theos's overwrought condition of mind the only actually living things present seemed to be the monster serpent whose scaly folds palpitated visibly in the strong light and the hideous eye of raphon that blazed on lycia's breast with a menacing stare as of a wrathful ghoul all at once a flash of comprehension lightened the laureate's sternly perplexed face a bitter laugh broke from his lips she has been drugged he cried fiercely pointing to nephrata's white and rigid form poisoned by some deadly potion devised of devils to twist and torture the quivering centres of the brain a cursed work will none undo it and springing forward nearer the shrine he raised his angry impassioned eyes to the dark inscrutable ones of the high priestess who met his troubled look with serene and irresponsive gravity is there no touch of human pity in things divine no mercy in the icy fate that rules our destinies this child knows naught of what she does she hath been led astray in a moment of excitement and religious exaltation her mind hath lost its balance her thoughts float disconnectedly on a sea of vague illusions ah by the gods i understand it all now and he suddenly threw himself on his knees his appealing gaze resting not on the snake deity but on the lovely countenance of lycia fair and brilliant as a summer morn with a certain waving light of triumph about it like the reflected radiance of sunbeams she is under the influence of raphon o withering madness o cureless misery she is ruled by that most horrible secret force unknown as yet to the outer world of men and she hears things that are not and sees what has no existence o lycia daughter of the sun i do beseech thee by all the inborn gentleness of womanhood unwind the mystic spell 
a serious smile of feigned sorrowful compassion at the beautiful lips of the priestess but she gave no word or sign in answer and the weird jewel on her breast at that moment shot forth a myriad scintillations as of pointed sharp steel some extraordinary power in it or in lycia herself was manifestly at work for with a violent start saluma rose from his knees and staggered helplessly backward one hand pressed to his eyes as though to shut out some blinding blaze of lightning he seemed to be vaguely groping his way to his former place beside the king and theos seeing this quickly caught him by the arm and drew him thither whispering anxiously the while saluma saluma what ails thee the laureate turned upon him a bewildered piteous face white with an intensity of speechless anguish nothing he faltered nothing tis over the child must die then all suddenly the hard-drawn lines of his countenance relaxed great tears gathered in his eyes and fell slowly one by one and moving aside he shrank away as far as possible into the shadow cast by a huge column close by o oh, nephrata nephrata theus heard him say in a voice broken by despair why do i love thee only now now when thou art lost to me for ever the king looked after him half compassionately half sullenly but presently paid no further heed to his distress theos however kept near him whispering whatever poor suggestions of comfort he could in the extremity of his own grief devise a hopeless task for to all his offered solace saluma made but the one reply oh let me weep let me weep for the untimely death of innocence and now the cithern playing which had ceased commenced again accompanied by the mysterious thrilling bass notes of the invisible organ-like instrument whose sound resembled the roll and rush of huge billows breaking into foam as the rich and solemn strains swept grandly through the spacious temple nephrata stretched out her hands toward the high priestess a smile of wonderful beauty lighting up her fair child face take me o ye immortal gods she cried her voice ringing in clear tune above all the other music take me and bear me away on your strong swift wings to the everlasting palaces of air wherein all sorrows have end and patient love beats at last its long-delayed reward take me for lo i am ready to depart my soul is wounded and weary of its prison it struggles to be free o destiny i thank thee for thy mercy i praise thee for the glory thou dost here unveil before mine eyes pardon my sins accept my life sanctify my love a murmur of relief and rejoicing ran rippling through the listening crowds a weight seemed lifted from their minds the victim was willing to die after all the sacrifice would be proceeded with there was a slight pause during which the priests crossed and recrossed the sanctuary many times one of them descending the steps to tie nephrata's hands behind her back as before in the immediate interest of the moment saluma and his hot interference seemed to be almost forgotten a few people indeed cast injured and indignant looks toward the corner where he dejectedly leaned and once the wrinkled malicious head of old sebastes peered at him with an expression of incredulous amazement but otherwise no sympathy was manifested by any one for the popular laureate's suffering and discomfiture he was the nation's puppet its tame bird whose business was to sing when bidden but he was not expected to have any voice in matters of religion or policy and still less was he supposed to intrude any of his own personal griefs on the public notice let him sing and sing well that was enough but let him dare to be afflicted and annoy others with his wants and troubles why then he at once became uninteresting he might even die for all anybody cared this was the unspoken sullen thought that theos sensitive to the core on his friend's behalf instinctively felt to be smouldering in the heart of the mighty multitude and he resented the half-implied latent ungratefulness of the people with all his soul fools he muttered under his breath for you and such as you the wisest sages toil in vain 
on you art waste her treasures of suggestive loveliness low grovellers in earth ye have no eyes for heaven o ignorant ungenerous fickle hypocrites whose ruling passion is the greed of gold why should great men perish that ye may live and yet your acclamations make up the thing called fame fame good god tis a brief shout in the universal clamour scarce heard and soon forgotten and filled with strange bitterness he gazed disconsolately at nephrata who stood like one in a trance of ecstasy patiently awaiting her doom her lovely innocent blue eyes gladly upturned to the long jewel-like head of nagaya which twined round the summit of the ebony staff seemed to peer down at her in a sort of drowsy reflectiveness then all suddenly lycia spoke how enchanting was the exquisite modulation of that slow languid silvery voice come hither o maiden fair pure and faithful the desire of thy soul is granted before thee are the gates of the unknown world already they open to admit thee through their golden bars gleams the glory of thy future speak what seest thou a moment of breathless silence ensued all present seemed to be straining their ears to catch the victim's answer it came soft and clear isabel i see a wondrous land or canopied with skies of gold and azure white flowers grow in the fragrant fields there are many trees i hear the warbling of many birds i see fair faces that smile upon me and gentle hands that beckon figures that wear glistening robes and carry garlands of roses and myrtle pass slowly singing as they go how beautiful they are how strange how sweet and as she uttered these words in accents of dreamy delight she ascended the first step of the shrine theos looking held his breath in wonder and fear while saluma with a groan turned himself resolutely away and pressing his forehead against the great column where he stood hid his eyes in his clasped hands the high priestess continued come hither o maiden of chaste and patient life rejoice greatly for thy virtue hath pleased the gods the undiscovered marvels of the stars are thine earth has no more control over thee heaven is thine absolute heritage behold the ship of the sun awaits thee speak what seest thou a soft cry of rapture came from the girl's lips oh i see glory everywhere she exclaimed light everywhere peace everywhere oh joy joy the face of my beloved shines upon me he calls he bids me come to him ah we shall be together at last we twain shall be as one never to part never to doubt never to suffer more oh let me hasten to him why should i linger thus when i would fain be gone and she sprang eagerly up the second and third steps of the sanctuary and faced lycia her head thrown back her blue eyes ablaze with excitement her bosom heaving and her delicate features transfigured and illumined by unspeakable inward delirious bliss just then the priest lifted the long jewel-hilted knife from the back cushion where it had lain till now and crouching stealthily in the shadow behind lycia held it in both hands pointed straight forward in a level line with nephrata's breast thus armed he waited silent and immovable a slight shudder of morbid expectancy seemed to quiver through the vast congregation but theos's nerves were strung up to such a high pitch of frenzied horror that he could neither speak nor sigh motionless as a statue he could only watch with freezing blood each detail of the extraordinary scene once more the high priestess spoke come hither o happy maiden whose griefs are ended the day of thy triumph and reward has dawned for thee the immortals unveil the mysteries of being to thee they openly declare all secrets to thee the hidden things of wisdom are made manifest for the last time ere thou leavest us hear and answer speak what seest thou love replied nephrata in a tone of thrilling and solemn tenderness love the eternal all in which dark things are made light love that is never served in vain love wherein lost happiness is rediscovered and, and perfected o divine love by whom the passion of my heart is sanctified absorb me in the quenchless glory of thine immortality draw me to thyself and let me find in thee my soul's completion 
her voice sank to a low prayerful emphasis her look was as of a rapt angel waiting for wings lycia's gaze dwelt upon her with slow dilating wonder and contempt such a devout and earnest supplication was evidently not commonly heard from the lips of nagaya's victims at that instant too nagaya himself seemed curiously excited and disturbed his great glittering coils quivered so violently as to shake the rod on which he was twined and when his priestess raised her mesmeric reproving eyes toward him he bent back his head rebelliously and sent a vehement hiss through the silence like the noise made by the whirl of a scimitar suddenly and with deafening abruptness a clap of thunder short and sharp as a quick volley of musketry crashed overhead accompanied by a strange circular sweep of lightning that blazed through the windows of the temple illumining it from end to end with a brilliant blue glare the superstitious crowd exchanged startled looks of terror the king moved uneasily and glanced frowningly about him it was plainly manifest that no one had forgotten the disastrous downfall of the obelisk and there seemed to be a contagion of alarm in the very air but lycia was perfectly self-possessed in fact she appeared to accept the threat of a storm as an imposing and by no means undesirable adjunct to the mysteries of the sacrificial rite for riveting her basculus eyes on nephrata she said in firm clear decisive accents the gods grow impatient wherefore o princess and people of alcurus let us hasten to appease their anger depart o stainless maid depart hence and betake thee to the golden throne of the sun our lord and ruler and in the name of the gaia may the shedding of thy virginal blood avert from us and ours the wrath of the immortals linger no longer nagaya accepts thee and the hour strikes death with the last word a sullen bell boomed heavily through and through the temple and at once like a frenzied bird or butterfly winging its way into scorching flame nephrata rushed forward with swift unhesitating dreadful precision straight on the knife outheld by the untrembling ruthless hands of the priest zell one second and theo sick with horror saw her speeding thus the next and the whole place was enveloped in dense darkness End of chapter twenty eight